It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, October 19th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is really intrigued about how this matchup against the Oilers is going to go. Yeah, I don't know if I can look at just the statistics. Yeah, we'll get into that and what early season stats mean. Preview that matchup against Edmonton, plus check in with some of our Flyers prospects all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. And we are at Locked On Flyers pretty much anywhere you look on social media, Instagram, threads, Blue Sky, Twitter. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Russ, uh, still, you know, coming down a little bit from the high of the home opener win against Vancouver. Um, also very excited for that Phillies win that turned out to be pretty monster as well. That makes one of us. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, just catching up with the Flyers and, you know, Looking at the lineup, because we were genuinely, you know, a little surprised that Morgan Frost was out of the lineup. Um, and we know for a fact that the Oilers uh, are going to be icing a much stronger lineup than the Canucks did. So oh, yeah. wh- what are they going to do here? I think that's like a, a big question going into this next game against Edmonton. Uh, what we know now is that uh, Rasmus Ristolainen is still on IR, so he's not likely to play over the no. next probably game or two at the very least um, from what they've been saying. And it, it leaves a little mystery, I think, on the blue line because Zamula did play very well and should, in theory, check back into the lineup. Uh, but the way they've been setting things up in practice you know, Nick Sealer was with Emil Andre in pairings, and that leads me to believe that Sealer and Andre are going to check into this game, which could mean Zamula is out. So if I'm going to be a lawyer here, I'm going to just go with the circumstantial evidence. First one is Nick Sealer is never the lead in the lineup. Okay, check. Um, Mark Stahl, who was supposed to be getting rest, uh, according to John Tortorella, has not yet and doesn't seem like he's going to be. And then the third part is they just seem to be rotating the the young guys on the blue line until further notice. That's what it looks like to me. Right. And you know what John Tortorella said after practice yesterday is that he really likes what he's seen from Zamula, but he's not ready to say, Oh, he's earned a permanent place in, you know, the starting lineup here, but he's overwhelmingly, you know, positive about what Zamula has done so far, but it's only three games in. We don't have a true pattern to look at as of yet. And 
So, you know, you could devil's advocate this and say, well, he's just trying to do a rotation for a set amount of time, and then he'll make some more hard and fast decisions. But uh, based on what we were told preseason, like putting Mark Stalin for 18 minutes a game isn't exactly what the plan was, right? No, and I get that they've won two games. I think he's been okay, but I've seen guys skate around him pretty easy uh, at times. In the half-court game, he's pretty good. I mean, Sealer, you know, has shown some good toughness like he does. I don't know if he's shown great defense, but okay. So, but neither of those guys could ever come out of the lineup. Like, that's really, that's the message I'm getting at the moment. And that's fine for the coach. It shouldn't be fine for the organization. But we'll see. Well, That's going to be a battle. I believe that's going to be a battle for a, a portion of the year. I do too. And I kind of go back and forth as well, because, you know, looking at a team like the Oilers with all that offensive firepower, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. You know, I, I can understand why a gut instinct would be to put Mark Stahl in the lineup because he's a veteran. He's played against these guys for a long time. You know, they're, they're really tough competition. So you want that veteran presence there, but at the same time, like Zamula's got the size and he's got the skill and he's got to learn to play against the top competitions. So, you know, and he just got his first goal. So why not reward him with the opportunity to show what he can do up against those, you know, a, a team like the Oilers? Yeah. I mean, and I know the, and Tortorella made a point of talking about him, like the way he's clearing the puck on the boards, but like, is he really the only one doing that? No, we see others doing that. So it's like, you know, that if you take away that first goal, right, the importance of that first goal and kind of like probably surprising Vancouver a little bit with that, what does that game look like? I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you because, you know, you don't always score on a penalty shot. So I don't know what, you know, so that I don't know how you could take him out of the lineup. Like, I don't know what you could say to say, yeah, you look pretty good, but get up in the in the box. There's more for you to learn. Like, I just, I don't understand the strategy in it. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question, and we'll see what ends up happening with the lineup tonight. On the forward side of things, uh, I think there was a question, obviously, as to why you sit Morgan Frost in those circumstances. And, you know, if you have to sit somebody to get him back in the lineup, why does it have to be Tyson Forrester or Bobby Brink? Uh, based on how they played, because I think, you know, both of them have had pretty strong starts to the season, although Brink probably has the flashier start to the season. And yeah, I, think I think so. I think Forrester has been better. I mean, I think he's been more, you know, solid than Brink. Uh, again, I think Brink's overmatched sure. him in that top line for sure. And I don't think that's the best thing for him. Right. And that's why I said flashier. Yeah, because I think you maybe have noticed Brink a little bit more, but as far as like their actual play, I think it's closer than than you would think. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Torts has said, you know, if one of those guys is sat, he it doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't recognize that they played well. It's just whatever rotation he's got in mind. And that, that leads me back to that theory, right? That he just has this rotation set for X number of games at the beginning of the season. And he's not going to waver from it just no matter what performance says. So, I mean, basically no young player has a chance to play on the fourth line this year, unless there's an injury, it ain't happening. Right. Are we in agreement on that? 
I mean, I think so. They love yeah. this line. Um, now, to be fair, they are getting like the right number of minutes that a fourth mm -hmm. line should have. You know, they're hovering around 10, 11 minutes, uh, depending on, you know, some of them are getting extra PK time for sure. But I, I think that, you know, he's using them accurately as a fourth line should be used and they have good chemistry. So uh, it's, it, but they it's are just, taking it's some just, penalties, you know, Hathaway took yeah. one that was kind of a, a lazy penalty and we're trying to watch like Delorier kind of like dangle, which was, you know, not going to ever really amount to anything. And so, okay. If it's 11 uh, minutes, I, I can it, live it with it. It happens once a season, Russ. I believe okay. he gets to dangle once a season. That's fine. But it's 11 minutes and I can live with that, except you do have guys in the minors like Tanner Lusinski that it's hard to talk me out of. If you put him, if you're not putting him at center, cause you love paling that, he can't play some time on the fourth line or at least get tried out again on it. So especially with Paling being there now, like that's, that's a lot different than last year, but will that opportunity come up? I don't know. And I don't think you can play Luzinski anywhere else on the lineup as an example. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. And, you know, about Morgan Frost, um, I think that, John Tortorella is doing what he does. And he's like, show me what you got now. What you did in the past doesn't really factor as much. He was great in preseason. That's that's the past to me. That's not a lot right. of past. That's just a couple of weeks ago. And right. he had one turnover in a game where I've seen some other guys with turnovers who were still playing. So, again, when they showed him on camera uh, at the beginning, he was not happy. Like, he couldn't hide it. And, and I don't blame him. It's a shock probably for him that he didn't get in that game. And so everybody noticed, right? So you look at it and you say, okay, when is he going to get in again? I'm not sure. If he does great, everybody says Torts did the right thing. And if he, you know, kind of like is the same, then everybody's going to be like, hmm, who knows? There's a feeling, and and I have this feeling that, you know, Morgan Frost is going to get traded at some point. There's that feeling. Well, I think, you know, if he gets boxed out of this lineup, it very well could be. Um, I certainly think they could get. But do you think he should be boxed out of the lineup based no, on? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. Either. I don't either. I, I really don't. Um, I think that he just provides a valuable calmness at the center position that this team needs, and I think he can create some real strong offense. I think they missed him on the power play in oh, the yeah. game against Vancouver, and I certainly hope he checks back in, especially against a team like the Edmonton Oilers, which is a yeah. perfect segue because that is who we'll be talking about coming up next. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we will be, of course, recapping the game against the Oilers. And uh, we'll get into some NHL general conversation as well to wrap up the week and, and see what's going on around the division. For the Edmonton Oilers tonight, uh, they finally did win one against Nashville pretty handily, six to one. 
uh, Leon Dreisaitl has the Preds number. This is just a running trend with him. Well, the Preds Google. defense really isn't what it used to be either. That is also true. But uh, <laughs> Dreisaitl had two goals and two assists in that game, uh, in which he also set the record for the most power play goals for an Oiler uh, at 127 overall. So that's pretty cool for that's him. Cool. Um, Zach Hyman also had a goal and three assists in that game, and they chased Yusei Saros out of the game, which is kind of a hard thing to do. And so I think that uh, that, that was a pretty good statement game for the Oilers after losing. The people that were counting him as dead based on, you know, a couple yeah. bad games. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I think that the Oilers, given the fact that they lost that first game eight to one, are in a, kind of a wackadoodle situation statistically around the league. Uh, it's going to take them a while for things to uh, settle and you know average out to the mean there. But um, they have the worst penalty kill so far in the league at. Um, 58.3%. They've got five goals against on 12. So worst penalty kill against one of the worst power plays. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they are fourth in the NHL on the power play. Uh, five yeah. for 14, obviously, you know, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, that's going to Yeah, you don't want to uh, give naturally. them power plays. We said that about yeah. Vancouver. It didn't go in for them, but still, you don't want to do it with Edmonton for sure. No, not at all. But uh, just again, because of these early season uh, lack of a true sample size stats, it's still fun to dig into it just because, you yeah. know, for for a brief shining moment, you can say the Flyers are better than the Oilers in expected goals for percentage right. in high danger chances for percentage um, does not make sense at all. But again, here we are in early season stats. So I think the only thing that the Oilers um, other than the the power play that really stood out to me is the Oilers are are better at faceoffs, which who isn't better than the Flyers at faceoffs? Right. I mean, the Flyers were kind of you know <laughs> mediocre on faceoffs, even in a win last game. So uh, I, I did listen to an interview with Jay Woodcroft um, mm -hmm. on SiriusXM, and he was talking about, hey, it's great to have a big offense, but you do need to play defense. And so I think he is preaching that a lot with his team, and I think they're a little better defensively than they used to be. I've been looking at both teams, what, how many, you know, who they've been playing, how many shots they've been giving up. And I think both teams are going to get, and this is just shots on net. I think they're both going to get around 30. That's yeah. what I think. So um, it'll be interesting because, you know, my, my brain tells me if the Oilers are getting 30, they should be able to score on three at least. Like that's probably, you know, based on the snipers that they have on their team. So I think the Flyers have to get three goals to win. I don't think they can win with two against Edmonton. No, I don't think so uh, either. I, I think that you're pretty spot on there. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to hover around 30 shots probably. Maybe it'll be like 32 to 28 right. like yeah, shots yeah, or yeah. something like that. Uh, because it, this feels to me like a game where it's going to take the Flyers a little while to get a rhythm. And yeah. so they won't, they'll have one of those games where they get like six shots on goal in the first period. But by the time the third period rolls around, they'll be at 12 or something. Right. Right. Like that's just kind of how they tend to cycle. I think it'll be a little fast. higher, but I think it's close to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just kind of what they do against teams like the Oilers. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what the Oilers do in terms of their forward lines because they have played 
uh, with McDavid centering um, Evander Kane and Leon Dreisaitl. That's what they did in the game against Nashville. But they have split McDavid and Dreisaitl up before and had them on separate lines. And I just wonder if they're looking at the Flyers' blue line and saying, that's a pretty weak blue line so we can split afford to split those guys up and maybe make it even harder for the flyers defensively by having to have multiple pairings out there to cover both of those guys yeah i think that makes sense i do i think that's a very sensible take on that so yeah i could see the divide and conquer thing they could always go back to it but yeah why not yeah yeah, I mean, seriously, why not? Um, I mean, that second line is nothing to sneeze at with Ryan no. Nugent Hopkins centering, and, you know, they moved Zach Hyman onto that line. I believe they had had Brown up on that top line before they switched Dreisaitl. Well, they did because uh, Brown used to play with the year in the, you know, in the OHL with the Erie Otters with McDavid. So they, right. could, they could put him on the top line for that. That would give the Flyers problems because of the speed factor. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is the aspect of their lineup. I'm probably the most interested in to see, you know, what they do uh, in terms of that strategy. But, you know, they do have some depth offensively that maybe they didn't have in the past here. Um, I, I do think that third line is pretty good. Just looking cursory and what's in my mind, it seems like RNH has actually been one of the guys that victimizes the Flyers a little bit more than the others. You know, they don't play him a lot, so there's not a lot of stats. But I think I think he's been pretty effective. So, yeah, I do kind of wonder if they're going to build up that second line. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a distinct possibility. On the blue line side of things, um, again, you know, this is where the Oilers tend to struggle a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think they do have a better structure in place, even if they don't have the personnel that can execute it as well. But, you know, Ekholm and Bouchard, it's it's like a solid but not great top It's pair. very good offensively. Very good. And yeah. puck-wise, very good. But it's just defensively <laughs> that they're yeah. not as yeah, good. Yeah, Ekholm's the guy that has to make up for it. But Bouchard could be physical too, so like, you know, because he's a big guy. So there's a mix there that's not bad. Yeah. Um, and then Nurse and Cece are their second pairing. Again, that's like a pretty, I, I think, solid NHL second pairing. Yeah, I mean, Nurse but... does a lot of hard work. Cece, yeah. um, I think, is doing a little better than some people thought he might. But I think in that role, and Nurse, you know, he always wants to do well in Philly because he's McNabb's yep. nephew. And so that's always going to follow him. So I could see him being very pumped up for the game. Absolutely. I'm also interested to see who they put in net because uh, Campbell got the win for them against Nashville, but theoretically Skinner is their number one goaltender. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to go with the guy who got the win, though. I just have that feeling. You think? I mean, just my guess. I don't really, you know, it's going to be a game time decision, I'm sure. I don't think they're letting that out until like morning skate. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you would think that Carter Hart is going to play against Edmonton. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see Urson getting a game until they have a back-to-back -to, -back to deal with. Um, or if there's like some sort of four games in a week situation right, where maybe right. they want to give Carter Hart one of those games uh, off. But yeah, certainly not against the Edmonton Oilers. That's no, sure. no, no. And he, he plays well against Edmonton. That's his... You know, his childhood team. So he's going to be pumped up for that as well. 
Yeah. So what do you think the Flyers have to do other than score three or more goals in order to win? I mean, they do have to do a lot of things they did yesterday, which at times I'm not sure what they were doing, but it was working. Um, I think, you know, like guys like Cates were playing well defensively. So I think some of the forwards did kick in some good defense there. I think, you know, there was some toughness that was for sure. But, you know, look, at the end of the game, especially when there was that last penalty, people were holding their breath on even with a 2 nothing lead. Like, it wasn't really safe. Towards the end of the second and, and a good part of the third, it didn't seem like the Flyers even had an appetite to add on to it. They just kind of wanted to hold on to the lead. They can't do that against the Oilers because the Oilers can come back on you quickly. I think that's one of the bigger things is – do not sit on this lead, and and it's a bad idea if you get one. The Flyers cannot turtle if they get a no, lead. No, they have to absolutely keep pushing at it, and like and they gotta be smarter with penalties. You know, like I think they got lucky with Konechny when he uh, lunged at whoever that was yesterday. I forget um, with the Canucks, but I think he's gotta he's gotta do it at the right time. I'm not sure that was the right time um, because four on four was a little dangerous against the Canucks, if you noticed, because of the speed. The speed was evident all game, but they never really took advantage of it. But when they were four on four, they, you know, they're, they're hard to handle. And so I think I think they have to be careful with that. And I'm sure um, there's going to be some baiting from the Flyers to Edmonton to try and get them in the fights. But, you know, again, just to point out, like yesterday, you know, they got connecting off the ice for, you know, for a long period of time compared to Sam Lafferty. Like, that's a win for the Canucks, even though they didn't win the game. And that's something Konechny's got to think about. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. All right, well, we'll see how it goes tonight, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk about this one. In the meantime, we're going to check in with some of our prospects coming up next. So probably atop everybody's mind in terms of Flyers prospects and how they're doing so far is, of course, Matt Bay Mitchkoff. And we know what happened with him getting uh, loaned to Sochi. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, you know, he's he's done pretty well there so far. He was sick for a while, so he was mm-hmm. out for a couple games, um, but he played Monday. Sochi is is kind of an uneven team overall uh but so they lost five to two but Mitchkoff scored in that game and he's a point per game right now six goals seven assists in 13 games played yeah which is fine I mean again I'm not so like worried that I'm going to track him constantly and I I really want him to round out his game I I honestly don't care if he scores like you know 75 points in, in their season. I don't really care about that. I know he's going to score points. Yeah, I think that's a fair point in terms of rounding out his game. So that's something that you really need more time to take yeah. a look at uh, oh, yeah. as far as far as just tracking his progress. And of course, we will be doing that. Uh, probably next on everybody's mind is Cutter Gautier. Uh, only two games into the college hockey season for him. Uh, we did mention that game-winning overtime goal that we saw, and that's his one goal of the season so far. He's played at the 1C position for both games, uh, and uh, that seems to be something that will continue until they decide that that national team line gets uh, maybe an official designation as the first line, but who knows if that'll even happen this year. 
It could, but yeah, who knows? Um, I think he's doing okay, but I think um, also you have to look at that with the lens of like, look at Macklin Celebrini, what he's doing with Boston University. Uh, a lot more points, even in a couple of games, than what Gauthier has, and he's much younger. So I think you know you have to sort of, and and he's like a potential you know star in the league, and so is Gauthier. So I think you have to look at that and say, I need more. Like, if we know you have a great shot, but if you're going to play the center position, you got to get more points. You can't just be a goal guy. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we'll see how he does over the next several games and and hopefully he'll increase scoring. Uh, you did mention Macklin Celebrini, so I'm going to skip ahead to Devin Kaplan because he's been <laughs> playing on a line with him and Luke Tuck, which I think is honestly going to be... That's a really good line. Um, Kaplan doesn't have any points so far. Again, only two games played into the season, but I would surmise that he'll get some if he stays on that line. He will. And Luke Tuck's a pretty good uh, player too. He may have been a little overrated in his draft year, but I'd seen enough of him that he's pretty effective. And yeah, Celebrini's got three goals already and four points like that. You know, those are numbers, man. And that's, so Kaplan is really going to be the muscle on that line and, and yep. looking to set those guys up and, and Tuck can be really good around the net and Celebrini's just really good. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, talk about our London boys in Denver, Barkey mm -hmm. and Oliver Bonk. Uh, Barkey, man, we talked about him a little bit as well. Uh, seven goals and six assists, 13 points. Uh, he's second in the OHL in scoring tied with a bunch of people. Again, it's it's early going. So um, I will say this. I know it's easy to look at the, the line and say, yeah, the numbers are great. Um, there are some people that I know that cover that league. And of course, you know, I only parachute in and look at the prospects, you know, I don't watch enough games to know which teams are really, really super, super until I start talking to people. And so they still feel like his overall game has not been great, even though he's been scoring all these points. So that's a thing where I think that's something that he's got to focus on this year, because again, those points, when you're with the London Knights, they play a pro offense, you're in the OHL, you can get really big points, but there have guys been guys that have gotten really big points with with London and it, it hasn't translated well to the NHL. Some do, some don't. And that's the opportunity you get when you've already been drafted, right? Is yes. that some of that pressure is off to the, where now the pro team that you've been drafted by are saying, here's what you need to work on. And you work on those things. And if the scoring doesn't keep up with that, um, if that's not something they're worried about, I think that's okay. And I think everybody thinks that's okay. Yeah. I, I yeah, that's true. Uh, Oliver Bonk has six assists so far. Um, he's 15th in scoring in the OHL for defensemen, but that's not really his game per se. It's not. I mean, and, so, and look, whatever he gets points wise in the OHL, you can't expect that in the NHL. So that's fine. I would rather see him just stick into what he's good at. And if he gets yep. points, great. It's fine. But, you know, his game is strong enough that I'm not that worried about the rest. Yeah, uh, just a couple of other guys. We're not going to get to everybody today, but we'll do more detailed uh, profiles and, and check-ins as the season progresses. Uh, just wanted to check in with Cole Knubel. Uh He's played three games so far for Notre Dame, um, five shots on goal in the most recent loss, but uh, no points on the board yet there. But I think I think he'll get into it. It's you know, obviously you his first season there, and so it's no. just going to take him – a little bit of time. And then Carter Southern, um, who I thought was pretty impressive in Flyers camp. Mm -hmm. um, he's got two goals and two assists in four games played for the Portland Winterhawks. Um, but 
he had a, a single game with a goal and two assists. So that was a good day for him. That led that's to a really most good of the, day. That's good. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's excellent. Yep. So that was really good to see. And then for the goaltenders, um, of course, the two were focusing on uh, Alexei Kolosov in the KHL playing for Dynamo Minsk. Um, they've been highlighting him a lot on their social media. Yeah. Um, which probably has something to do with these drafted. Yes. They generally, they, they do like pushing their goalies for years. They push Esterkin and Sorokin. I don't think Kolosov's at that level, but I can't tell you he's not because I'm not a goalie expert, but yeah, I could, you know, he's one of the top goalies in the league. So he's going to get pushed. Yeah. He's uh, got a 2.01 goals against average 925 save percentage so far. That's real good. Yep. Uh, for him. So he's got three shutouts as well, which is, uh, I believe, the highest in the KHL. There's maybe one other goaltender that has the same number of shutouts. But um, that is really, really good. So love to see that. Carson Bjarnason back with Brandon. Again, they are a weaker team overall. Yeah. So it's really tough in front of him. Um, but he does have a shutout this season. He's three and three. Uh, but I think it's it's going to be a tough road. But I think that it's important. It's it's good character building, right? It is good character building. I mean, his save percentage is good at nine oh eight, and honestly, that's all I care about. I'm going to add one more. I see that um, right now in eleven games, Ivan Fedotov is at a nine oh nine save percentage <laughs> with a two point two zero. This team's you know he's got a five and eight record. Um, look. I know there were super high uh, expectations for him. It's probably hard for him mentally right now to to be at that point where he was two years ago in this game. Well, so, especially after taking time off like that. Right. So this year may, be, may not be as stellar as what has been in the past. So I'm not going to mark him that that harshly. And Because, again, I don't expect to see him for a little while. Uh, I think the Flyers may see him in the future, but I don't know when. So I just figured I'd update people because they're probably wondering. Wasn't going to talk about him because I wasn't sure about the future, but it is a fair point. All right. That will do it for today's show. Of course, we will be back tomorrow uh, recapping the game against the Oilers plus the Flyers play the Stars over the weekend. So we're going to talk about that one as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So if you've got a mailbag question, send them in via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.